Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. Please don't accuse us of taking a week off because we're all caught up watching the uh, new release of Animaniacs because that, you know, that would just be a the truth or the uh, or a lie. I'm not sure. Narf. I, I haven't watched all of them. I'm spacing it out. I can only take so much joy at a time. Uh, my children have gone through it at least four times. A new generation corrupted? Yes. Good man. There's hope for the future. No. Uh, so, and no, I did not write two pages of show notes specifically on the show, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure we can sprinkle some commentary on the new episodes later. But uh, last time we left off, I, I uh, postured this idea. Is it time for the NHL to any end any player agreement or contracts it, it has with the CHL? And I'll preface by saying I put this question out there as part of a long con of a ton of things I could get into today. But anywho. So, Patrick? I'm letting you go first. <laughs> um, I say yes. I say that, that they should end any kind of development type agreement with the CHL because it gives the CHL an unfair advantage to any other junior or college collegiate um, league or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and um, Let's be honest, NHL scouts aren't all that great about scouting the CHL anyway. <laughs> They're not great about scouting most places, but, you know, it, there's a reason why a majority of teams draft a lot of OHLers um, because everyone's in Toronto and it's just easy. But, yeah, I mean, I think that the, it's, they have an unfair advantage to everybody else, so it should end. All I got. Uh, I can't. I honest to God can't take a side on this. <laughs> this is one of those. It makes about as much difference as. Wearing. Oh God. I had nothing. I got nothing. Simply because it's... It's more money that's being passed down than anything. It's not really benefiting anyone other than the money that's being passed down to those leagues. So if you kill any development deals, you likely siphon off a revenue stream for those leagues. And we're already skating on thin ice, pun intended. Dad jokes, yay. Um, with some of these leagues being able to stay in business. So I think if, if you've got an utter <laughs> from the NHL, which you can latch onto and siphon some milk, you best do it. 
Okay. I'm glad you guys both went in opposing directions. All right. The reason I brought this question up to begin with before I get to my answer is I feel like the cure to everything that ails the NHL has a bottom-up approach or a bottom-up solution to it. I'm pushing for more exposure, more tight control of the AHL as a means to, one, create a secondary hockey league with some decent television uh, revenue behind it, or at least uh, having a big enough television uh, presence so that people can actually watch games. So this question I put out there because the more and more I think about it, and I'm kind of a draft nerd. I I love the concept of a draft and, and following prospects. But I really think the NHL has it ass backwards at this point. And for a league that hates investing its own money into things, as we're kind of seeing right now with some of that CBA return to play talk stuff that we may or may not get to. Um, the NHL too many players. So we went back for the last, for five drafts where we should have seen returns on drafts. So starting back in 2017, because I figure two years out is about the time where prospects should be coming into the league. 51 of 217 players have been drafted. Or, uh, of the 217 players that have been drafted, had played at minimum one NHL game. Go back a year to 2016, you have 69 of 211. The year previous, 2015, 96. 2014, 90 players. In 2013, 102 players. So we're talking seven years out. Less than half of those drafted have made it into the NHL. Even just for a cup of coffee. That that's not saying any of these players had any impact whatsoever. You know, there's a handful of those every year. The biggest complaint with the NHL and the CHL agreement is what do you do with 18 and 19 year olds who are too good for their quote unquote junior league team, but can't make an NHL roster yet. And players are stuck in limbo. And too many resources or scouts are devoted to following these who more than half don't make the league. And, you know, another chunk or percentage of those don't make any impact or make the league any money. In fact, it probably costs them more money to scout and draft all these players who never make it than what I'm about to propose. So. I suggest they they kill off their existing agreement, mainly to avoid this whole 18 and 19-year-old CHL players, it's NHL or, or CHL, by doing this. We need to blow up the draft as we know it. 
when you turn 18, you are no longer quote unquote draft eligible for the NHL. You have to physically enroll yourself or make yourself eligible for the draft, hereby voiding any rights to playing in the CHL, just like you would see in NFL and NBA drafts. And then you limit the NHL draft to only two rounds. I think it's time to start putting the onus on players to begin developing themselves rather than have this just insensuous system where junior players come into the league and still don't know how to play quote unquote, both sides of the puck and their career is destined for mediocrity, you know, nine times out of 10, you're just going to be an average bottom six forward. You're going to be a five, six defender goalies are goalies because I'm trying to think of a word that's not voodoo, but kind of has the same connotation. Or an unknown. <laughs> yes, or it's just supply and demand. There are way too many of them out there, and only 124 slots available on pro rosters or with NHL contracts most of the time, averaging out, you know, what your Toronto's and then your Florida's do. We're just drafting so many kids that end up coming in underdeveloped, which means the talent pool isn't that great to begin with. So is the CHL really doing the NHL any favors? Or in turn, is the CHL doing certain players any favors? Superstars are always going to find their way to the top. But what about the other guys? So... Is it the CHL's fault or is it the AHL's fault? Should the AHL lower their age limit so that like first and second rounders who are too good for the CHL are allowed to play in the AHL? Well, or that- should the AHL just become a pure development league, kick out all of the AHL veterans and start up a secondary league for them for like you know, the IHL used to be. So that's the problem with the NHL-CHL agreement. It's basically telling the CHL, you do all this work for us. So in return, we're going to agree, unless they can make our roster, we are not going to take these players away from you. And there's a lot of merit to it, and it makes sense. Which, that is why we can't have, you know, first and second picks who are decent players playing in the NHL one or two years after they're drafted. You know, it's that NHL-CHL agreement. And I think it's a, a, a victim of all these, well, this is the way we've always done it. Nonsense that the NHL holds is beholden to. They have so many rounds of the draft and players are eligible to be drafted as soon as they're 18. What if we just flip that all around? If you enter, if you play for a CHL team, great. But as soon as you're ready to go to the NHL, 
and you want to declare for the NHL draft and say, I'm ready to turn professional, I think your career should be done at that point as a quote-unquote junior player. Because then it puts the pressure on the player to actually perform and get more out of, say, their junior experience than any other team. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I mean, I get what you're saying. It's, it's like you said, the NFL, NBA model. Um, it's also the women's hockey league, hockey model, too, where the women are responsible for their own development. As a minor hockey coach, and oh, my God, I hate describing. Thank you, Canada, for that term. Um, everything just funnels a small percentage of kids into these, basically to junior hockey or to NCAA hockey. And, you know, a large percentage of those players that are funneled are going to get a huge chunk of the positions in North American professional hockey. I mean, it's just a numbers game. Fewer kids are playing. Fewer kids are playing at these higher levels. Unless you start at a certain age, you're just kind of passed along. Sort of like the U.S. education system. You're just kind of, you do your time and then you move on. But we're not, we get very few ultra-talented, unique, exciting players. It, the fact that we have to term someone as generational every couple years is just like, you just probably worked your ass off in a way that no one else really did because you did things on your own instead of being told what to do all the time. I'm just ready to kind of blow up the whole developmental pyramid in North America. Because as we saw kind of in the NBA, all players went and played NCAA basketball for years and years and years, and they used to have seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve rounds. And then I believe it was late 80s or early 90s, they shifted to only having two rounds. And then we also started to see an influx of European players being drafted. And it just caused a ripple into the talent that all these places were producing. Like, things just changed, but NCAA basketball never suffered because of it. You know, for every player that jumped in North America and went straight from high school, there was still plenty of talent that everyone watched and bet on in March every year. And people knew their names. They were on, you know the national sports networks, et cetera, et cetera. Why aren't we doing something similar in the NHL? Why are we devoting so many resources to this one day if we're seeing very poor returns? Because talent will always shine. You will always be able to find a talented person, but we're, we're kind of doing this opposite approach where we're making too many educated guesses and in a time right now where teams are hemorrhaging because I've attracted NHL owners don't know how to um, 
I don't know, save money or keep things in, you know, a, a, a rainy day account. Um, they're just kind of wasteful in some respects. But all right, I've ranted enough. I got to hear from Patrick. No, I'm fine letting you just continue to go on. No, no rebuttals. No. 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 I'm I, like I said. I can't. Uh, I'm not gonna sit here and say I agree one way or the other. I'm just. I could argue for both sides. I just. I think ultimately the only thing that would sway me to the other side is literally the trick. God, I'm gonna say it. Say it. The trickle down economy. <laughs> money, <laughs> right? The money they're being pumped into the systems from above. That's it. And unless hockey decides it wants to get cheaper, hmm. can hockey get cheaper? Well, the 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 owners and the operators of hockey want to be cheaper, but the prospects of playing, and I believe that's your point, the ability to play needs to become cheaper. The startup cost has to be cheaper. That's pretty much it. The startup cost has to be cheaper. And boy, it could be. But they're not... You don't want me to go down that rabbit hole today. I'll save that for another week. No, actually, I'm I'm, I'm totally fine with you doing it because it just gets means I get to sit back and listen more. I don't, have to, I don't have to come up with anything original and or funny. All right. Well, like I said, everything is kind of a funneled system. So, for example, there are at present three tiers of travel programs in the trying research triangle region of North Carolina, where there happens to be a national hockey league franchise and all players of talent are funneled into one of three programs. You have your junior hurricanes, which is a officially sponsored team. That's partially run and funded by an NHL group because everyone needs a tax write-off. Then you have your outcast groups. I believe one is called the Rap NC Raptors, and then there's another one that changes their name every few years because uh, adults ruin everything, and they don't like what someone at the Junior Canes were doing, and so they went off and splintered and did their own group. And would you know it, in this year of COVID, these are the only groups that are allowed to play games. They're going and they're traveling around and they're spending money crossing state borders, probably irresponsibly, just so their sons and daughters can, you know, play quote unquote travel hockey. In this and, year of our COVID, 2020. <laughs> Yes, on May the 248th, or March 248. Um, so, a bunch of people are spending anywhere between ten to 20000 on a single child to play a game 
and spend half their weekends in cars and in hotel rooms. It's pretty damn wasteful, if you ask me. And these are the parties that are buying up and taking a good chunk of available ice time at any given point in time. And these are the systems just, and this is true of all sports where we're now seeing you have to buy very specific expensive equipment to match team colors. You have to buy the corresponding, you know, gear, the, the warmups, the backpacks, the this and that. And that is all cool and kids love that stuff. But it's also excessive and unnecessary. And what is wrong with a nice old house league? Where you have this thing called internal competition. Where you just you play against the same groups of kids over and over again. And eventually, this is kind of a crazy crazy thought but it, it it's almost like if you keep a pool of players together long enough talented individuals can push non-talented individuals to get better and when that happens you know the people at the top of the ladder are then challenged and forced to do other things instead we have this little ecosystem within hockey where if you're fast at 10 years old you have been given a, a hall pass. A hall pass that allows you to just play on all these teams. You, you survive cuts. You really don't have to do tryouts. You're, you've made nice with certain people's parents who are coaches. And you're just part of the system. You're one of us. And not that they're not talented hockey players. I will say they are not talented athletes. They've just been trained to play a game and they kind of coast on it from that point on. Do they get better? Do they get improved? Yes. But at what cost? And I think this leads into them playing, you know, junior A or junior B level hockey, which a tier of of playing that is above anything local, you know, affiliations and groups can put together, get you some scouting recognition while maintaining college eligibility. And then you have that next tier where you're headed up to the CHL. If you don't, if you don't find another option, but everything is just privatizing and kept in these small tight circles And then when I get and think about it, it works its way up, it works its way up, it works its way up. And now you're a CHL player. Maybe you're you're a first through fifth round pick of their insanely long drafts. With the fun names? Oh, the WHL draft. I do look forward to that every year. And, you know, (laughs) more power to those parents. Just... As long as the kids don't curse you later in life, you're doing fine by me. But it's just like what happened post 2004 lockout had nothing to do with the NHL. Nothing to do with the NHL. They took a year off. 
yeah, they wanted to tweak some rules, but like local governing bodies in USA Hockey and Hockey Canada made tweaks and they pushed change at very lower levels that allowed kids like Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews to begin to thrive. And it forced stupid adults like myself to change what they were doing and adapt and evolve and not push the same old thing. And oh, lo and behold, more than 15 years later, kids are faster, more talented than ever before. You, you didn't have to be six foot five and be able to take a beating half your life by standing in front of the net to play hockey. But everything else about the game, a fluid flow-based game, we just try and make stagnant and stale over and over again. And just judging by the number of players that get drafted and they know how to play hockey. Because they've been programmed how to do it. But would they ever be able to play a game well without a coach telling them exactly what to do? I just think we're at a point where we just got to blow the whole thing up and do something different. Because we're still producing a product where owners and players are bickering because they can't generate any revenue. Because everything they're doing has to be the way it's done before. And it's boring. Yep. So in between cooking this week and loads and loads of yard work, I listened to interviews with Ken Reed and... uh, who was the other? Oh, uh, American Friedman popped in and released, you know, some updates on when is the NHL going to announce their return to play? And there's just I'm just seeing all these parallels and and all these issues that I think stem from how we're bringing players into the game and how they're being developed and what the trickle-down effect from what's happening at the NHL level does to minor hockey associations around North America. And it just pisses me off all the time, especially as my own kid. I have a a six-year-old who was looking forward to starting playing this year. And I'll be honest, when, when... when the states open up and I can freely enroll my child in a house league program, I'm not sure he's going to want to anymore. Because it's not easy to get into. It's a large and giant commitment. It's not just playing a game. He'd rather, you know, hang with his older brother and look at Pokemon cards all day. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I... Well, depends who you're talking to. (laughs) I could use one day off a week from that. Mm. So anyway, those Dot Warner episodes were the best of the new bunch. (laughs) Are you indicating that you're done ranting? Uh, 
I'm done ranting without being asked questions. Let me put it to you that way. I, I always have a good rant in me, but I can't bring it on myself. Sometimes it has to be provoked. <laughs> oh, you mean we're actually supposed to participate and not listen? I was Damn it. <laughs> Patrick, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt anything. Mm. We'll I, do better yeah. next time, Pat. I'm... Uh... This is one of those I'm just going to sit back because I'm just nodding my head going, yep, 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 yep. I mean, I could have been on the Muppets. Yep, 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 yep. Yep, 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 yep. You know? I did miss the supporting cast of characters on Animaniacs. I have to say. Yeah, the little node, uh, or nod, uh, node. Could you tell I was just doing some programming before this? Uh, the nod in one skit to all the characters who weren't around because they were being hunted by a giant chicken in disguise was... Spoiler! <laughs> I've finished it, but Cassie, have you gotten that far? I have not. Please, spoiler! I'm okay with spoilers, personally, but maybe our listeners might not be. You wear a disguise to look like human guys, but you're not a man, you're a chicken. <laughs> yeah, but the, the surprise at the end of that skit kind of ruined the whole skit for me. Mm. Anyway, the dot focus skits where she was the uh, the primary protagonist, were excellent. Everything else, just like everything in life, there's some highs and some lows. We'll remember the, the really great stuff, and we'll forget about the bad stuff. Which is typical of a first season of almost any show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, 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 I will say, the reason the Animaniacs hit the ground running in the original version... Is because it was basically they had they had burned their first season writing issues on Tiny Toons because mm-hmm. a lot of that team just moved over from Tiny Toons and started working on Animaniacs, so they are, they were already in sort of mid mid series form when they started writing that show. And I think it's almost a formula where it makes sense not to have introduced too many secondary characters. They had a pretty small and tight writing team from the, from the gist of it. You get the three Warners and you kind of develop them and having pinky of the brain back, I think is pretty easy because it's very formulaic and you can go wild and crazy. So when they go into season two and they want to introduce some new characters, you let the core writing team do that, and then you can bring in new writers who have this catalog of new material to draw from. Because, I mean, a lot of the secondary characters from the 90s, eh, there's only so much you could still use today. So, you know, don't. Don't don't pull an NHL and make it all bland to begin with, just. Let them marinate and then bring them out when they're ready. I 
I think you're going to have a tough time bringing back. Uh, I don't want to get it. I don't think they're bringing everybody back. Obviously, they yeah. can't. You know, no. some, of the, some of the people that voice them are no longer here. And there's, I, I think they've set themselves up to where there's no way they're going to replace someone. You know, and I'm thinking specifically of um, Rita. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. She she was number one on my will probably never see her again. Yeah. List. And, you know, the other side of it too is. Um, Buttons and Mindy, right? Mindy was voiced by Nancy Cartwright, better known as Bart Simpson. You think you're getting her into a studio for scale? (laughs) Right? Now, that's not to say she wouldn't do it for scale, but by and large, the last 10 or 15 years, a lot of the voice actors that worked on The Simpsons have stopped doing other voice acting work. Especially as their especially as their contracts have you know gone up and up and up and up you know because every ten years or so their contract their deals come up and there's a big you know newspaper article about how they're going to replace the voice actors on The Simpsons because they're asking for too much and yada 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 and then they always end up settling somewhere. So you know. It's piddly stuff like that, you know, but there isn't anything to say that she couldn't come in and do it, you know, uncredited because The Simpsons did it early on, right? There was a lot of actors that came in and played parts, not as themselves, that came in and played parts and were not credited for those roles because they would have had to have been paid, you know, their scale. And I'm looking specifically at you, Dustin Hoffman, coming in as Lisa's um, substitute teacher. <laughs> and she fell in love with. And I loved his name that they credited him with, Sam Antic. <laughs> you know? Uh, this makes me want to go back and rewatch I Know That Voice this evening. Which is a fun voiceover uh, documentary from uh, Joe DiMaggio or uh, John DiMaggio. John DiMaggio, yes. Uh, Which speaking speaking of Bender, um, I will say that uh, um, the Animaniacs, honest to goodness, has been the first series or first animated show he's done a voiceover for that I didn't instantaneously go, oh, that's John DiMaggio. You know, that's just Bender. Because everything else he does, he pretty much sounds like that, except for there's a couple things in this new Animaniacs run that I was like, when did that voice? And they show in the credits that it was done by John DiMaggio. And I was like, whoa. Huh. Yeah. It's branched out. Yeah. Which is good because I think he's kind of getting stereotyped into being Bender. A little bit, because it became oh, such an sure. iconic character. Well, not only that, but when a lot of voice actor people, when they get pulled into doing video games, like oh, I've yeah. him pulled into. I mean, it's literally you're playing as Bender as certain characters in certain games, in franchises from you know a decade ago that 
they're still here. They're still multi-million dollar makers. So you're just stuck doing the same thing over and over again. And it's refreshing to get some, some new work. I could, I could only imagine for him. Oh yeah. I mean, he's had to go in and do gears of war, you know, five times. Exactly. And, and, uh, say um you know and they're and they every time they go out to like conventions and cons and stuff it's all adventure time or futurama with him so or uh pound puppies he was in pound puppies too for a while i think you come for the hockey talk you stay for the voice actor and and cartoon talk <laughs> well this just I mean, unless we want to do what every show this week is going to do and just nitpick at the Mikhail Sergachev extension at nauseum and how does that affect the other two remaining RFAs for Tampa? And then how does that affect the Islander? It's just... And how does it all affect the Leafs? Exactly. It's all about the Leafs. Yeah, because I don't give a damn what the new Ford realigned divisions for this one season are going to be called Pierre LeBron. Yes. I am calling you out by name. <gasps> Who cares? You wow. know, going back to the, the, the quote unquote traditional names, the divisions named after former Old hockey white, men, white guys that no one knows in this day and age. Right. It's That's like, it's, it's, it's a call out to, and and I'm sorry for this this Patrick, but it's a call out to to men of a certain age, you know, for that nostalgic like, oh yeah, this is how it should have been all along kind of thing. It's kind of like everybody wanting to switch back to um, white jerseys at home because that's what they grew up with. It's like let it go, we've moved on. <laughs> and when the same people are in charge and doing the same things over 25 year spans. And, you know, they continually get older and older and older and don't want anything different. It's no wonder they're, uh, nothing gets better. I'm about enough ready. about U.S. politics. I'm about mm. ready to block and report both of you for <laughs> harassment. See, here's what I was going to say, though, Cassie. Would you, uh, men of a certain age who do not watch Animaniacs nor know anything about voiceover acting... Yes. Is that is yes. that a more apt description of who you're talking about? Yes, who, who who are not currently having a house built somewhere in the Seattle area. Yes. So you're saying everyone <laughs> but me is how you're going to dig up. Just dig up. Just continue to try and dig up, guys. <laughs> I did apologize before I said it. Come on. <laughs> And I'm calling out individuals by name to make sure you know who I'm talking about. Cassie, that's just like saying, sorry if this offends you, but... I know. <laughs> I know. Or, or my, cheek. I didn't really know, mean it. <laughs> or, or, the retail, or the retail version, with all due respect, ma'am. <laughs> I'm sorry, did you mean to say... <laughs> it just, it just, you know... <laughs> Out me like that, right? Uh, come on. <laughs> okay, so so here here's my disclaimer. How about this? 
my disclaimer is that um, as someone who makes maps for a living, I prefer the geographic uh, division names because it's easier for me to associate what what teams are within what division than if you just slap somebody's like uh, you know last name on a division i'll have no clue where anyone is and i'll just be like frustrated the entire time so there's my bias for you <laughs> i know it doesn't make it any better no no I know. No. I end up to it. It's okay. Yeah, okay. As long as, you know what? As long as we're honest about it, I don't care. Sure. I don't, you know, I know it's not aimed at me, except when it is, like right now, but we'll deal with that later. We'll deal with that off the air. <laughs> uh, the, the post-show discussions have, have been rather lively since the cup was awarded in October. Haven't they? March? Smarch? Yeah. Marchober? Marchtober? March Vember? March Sember. Yeah. No, we're, we're almost in March Sember now. Christmas in July? Hell, what about Christmas in March? There was there was a very fun Dr. Seuss. Published book. I don't remember if it was specifically written by Dr. Seuss talking about a 13th month, and damn, do I need to find it. The never ending 15th month? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, the thing that we've been living through since February, effectively. Yeah. yeah. I just want to know if we're going to, you know, if we're going to have a, um, a, a calendar notation change after this, right? Like when a vaccine is distributed and the uptake and everything, do we just start, will, will we just start a new calendar, you know, cause we've got, we started at, you know, BC, AD, are we going to go with AC now mm. after COVID? Mm. Can we start counting backwards again? If so, I'm <laughs> Let's count backwards. Backwards is good. Forwards has kind of been bad so far. Yeah, you know, the only thing that prevents you from doing that is when do you want to when do you want to reach zero? I mean, what do you happens want to when you reach zero? Welcome to year negative five. I'm Bye. negative three and a half years old. <laughs> by that point in time, years will be sponsored by corporations, don't you think? And the NHL still won't make a dime off that. No, because they'll have sold all their rights to everything to try to make a quick buck and not realize that, you know, that's the worst way to do things. Because once they know when year zero is, all contracts will lead directly up to said year. Mm. And Johnny Bychuk will still retire before his contract is done. I was I was gonna really try and walk away from making a joke about that, but I just couldn't just couldn't be done. Loophole Lou. Now 
Now he gets to focus on Andrew Ladd and finding the right doctors to talk with him. Supposedly. Mm -hmm. See? One reference to the Tampa Bay Lightning leads us to the Islanders. We talk about Lou Lamorello and how he affects the Toronto Maple Leafs. I I have... have... I, I have the San Jose Sharks one. But I don't know how that would tie into the Maple Leafs, though. Oh, Joe Thornton. Put, put Santa it out Clara, Santa Clara County, uh, not allowing practices and things. And since players are going to the towns where their teams are located and they've been practicing together. So is an informal practice considered a practice? And if so, then um, where are the Sharks going to practice? Outside of Santa Clara County, of course. Uh, Cow Palace? No, I I think they just move them all to Arizona and let them hang around with Austin and McDavid. Because apparently that's a budding bromance. Mm. Where is the hate in this game gone? All these guys (laughs) practice together. Oh, I've got plenty of it. I don't know about you. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you mean between uh, the players? Yeah. The problem is they don't play each other enough. No, they kind of really don't. Yeah, that'll be rectified this season, eventually. Um, Mm -hmm. When we have just the Canadian division and nothing else? Oh, God, someone put a... (sighs) So I'm going to put a fork in this before I start going off. <laughs> we end up with an hour and a half show. Yes. <laughs> oh, show discussion. Oh, show discussion. Uh, I mean, Cassie, if you have one, go for it. I've got one that I can back pocket. All right. Mm-hmm. I do. I do. And it, it should be a, a, a good, fun five or ten minutes at the start of the next show. <laughs> Challenge right. accepted. So, hypothetical question. Let's say the U.S. military decides to tell all sports leagues that they can't use military terminology at all anymore. Because they want to. So, you can no longer name captains captains. What would you name rename your captain as? This has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3B3Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.